I guess we're grown-ups now. My name is Carrie Halstead. And I'm Brooke Shelley. Hi, Brooke. Hey. How's it going? Pretty well. We are here on your favorite podcast about being an adult, and we have lots of things to talk about today. Uh, since we last had a podcast, I was actually in Portland and visited uh, with Brooke, and we have some stories to share with you about that and all kinds of good things. Um, you can find our podcast at goodstuff.fm slash grownups and we are on iTunes and we're also on Twitter at grownups underscore FM. I guess we're grownups now is brought to you by FeedPress. FeedPress is an analytics and podcast hosting platform made for bloggers and podcasters. It is a simple, intuitive, and powerful RSS analytics and podcast hosting platform featuring powerful subscriber and podcast download tracking, integrated newsletters, automated publishing to popular social networks such as Twitter and Facebook, a slick drag and drop podcast hosting interface, and everything you need in order to submit an optimized feed to iTunes. 250 meg of flexible file storage that rolls over monthly. You can easily upload four episodes per month. Upgrading storage is easy and affordable, starting at a flat rate of just $20 per gig. Go to feed.press slash grownups today and sign up to try FeedPress for 14 days with no contracts or commitments. Use promo code grownups during checkout to get 10% off your first year. Thank you to FeedPress and goodstuff.fm for hosting, I guess, for grownups now. Uh, where are we? It's uh, late February and ugh, I'm hot. I got myself a hot <laughs> drink tonight and like, oh, no. I'm like, it's too hot. The door is closed to keep the noise in slash out and I'm baking. I'm cooling off from yoga. I just got back to my house, but my house is not heated right now. And it's probably about 63 in my house, which is oh, perfect. So it's very comfortable then. It's yeah, probably yeah. 104 in my office right now. <laughs> uh, I just yeah. think it's funny that we managed to not record while you were in town. I know. <laughs> so Okay, so here's what happened. So Sunday night I get in town. Portland is right now two hours ahead of Saskatchewan, or behind Saskatchewan. So <laughs> like at about 7 p.m., my body starts shutting down. And so Monday night, Brooke and I got together, and we had an amazing dinner Yep, it was very yep, and we good. worked up an appetite for it <laughs> by helping assemble, oh, yeah. sort of assemble, move desks around um, the uh, XOXO outpost, which is a space that the conference XOXO is launching in Portland. It just opened up a couple weeks ago, and like they were like, "Hey, whoever is in the Slack, if you want to come by and help us move desks." So I was like, "Hey, Carrie, come meet me here, and we'll just do some heavy lifting." Where after I'd done yoga as well. And then maybe we can like eat after that. And uh, we did it for quite a while. It was, it was, um, I don't know if it was fun, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was amazing fun. And the space is going to be outrageously amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I've been in there now since they've opened it as well. And it's, um, it's eerily quiet still because there's not a lot of people there yet, but it's pretty rad. And, um, there was a woman there who told us all about the audio booth that they're going to put together oh, yeah. for 
um, people who want to do voiceovers or make podcasts or just record audio. Um, yeah. and it sounds like it's going to be amazing. Yeah. They, they just got the, it's like a air airstream and they just put it outside last like a couple days ago. And I think they're like bringing it inside pretty soon. So I won't have to record. Hopefully I won't have to record in my house. I can go there maybe if they let me, um, that would be so cool. no, it's, it's going to be really rad. So yeah, they got an airstream trailer, which mm-hmm. is hipster enough as it is, but then they are throwing it into their warehouse and putting a podcast booth inside it. Like, yeah, that is so such a neat idea and so cool. Yeah, and, and I think that there was some uh, discussion about bringing it to events too. So we'll see what oh. happens. But it's gonna be rad. Um, super rad. But yeah, and I think while we were doing that part was when we thought of like what we were going to talk about, and then after a very long multi-course meal at this kind of ridiculously inexpensive place called Navarre in Portland where uh, we got, by the way, I picked up two bottles of the wine that uh, we got that night. So. Yeah. Super good wine. <laughs> ridiculously good, like Austrian Pinot Blanc or something, which yeah. I'm not a wine person. I don't think you are either, but we both were really happy. Yeah. It was but good wine. The long story is that we ate too much food and we're just, way too like tired by the end to actually do any kind of recording so so we went and got uh, ice cream instead and uh yeah yeah and then fortunately i was um i had already finished my ice cream cone when i took a header on the sidewalk (laughs) yeah my my uh the sidewalk near my house is uneven and we were just having a casual conversation next thing i know carrie disappears and just face first (laughs) you didn't even get your hands out you were just like (laughs) And I was so worried that you were going to end up like really hurt and your family is going to be like, what happened to you in America? You're not allowed to go back anymore. <laughs> but you were okay. You were I was good. okay. You were I lay on the ground and laughed for a while. Yeah. And my knees are a little, they were a little banged up after, but nothing that wouldn't have happened at a soccer game or something. So yeah, I think soccer's hurt you a lot worse than it, American sidewalks. Totally. But, you know, we try. We did try. Um, but yeah. So while we were while we were putting together the desk, we were talking about um, sort of the idea of the the perfect being the enemy of the good, and and I think I've definitely struggled with this. I think you may have as well. But like growing up and having this drive towards perfection, mm-hmm. this drive towards like um, success and like pushing yourself constantly. And as I've gotten older, as I've started to accept my limits a little bit more. Um, I've had to learn how to give up a little bit and fail a little bit. And, and that night when we were putting these desks in their places, we were trying to level them all. And so there are these like metal pull tabs and you had, it was very complicated and we were tired. And, uh, but basically and, on each yeah. of the legs, you had to push a metal rod through yep. a pair of holes that weren't perfectly lined up all the time. And right. And like, and lower it, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. And it was ridiculous because I would push and push and push and be like, like, this is never, ever going to go. And just every, on every leg, the second I would like give up, it would just slide in. Right. And I was like, and so we were like, just stop trying so hard. It just works if you like, don't force it. Yeah. Which is a good life strategy in general, but um, but I think definitely like with work and for me as well as like relationships, those are probably the two biggest ones. I don't yes. know if there's like a specific sector of your life that you wanted to like bring up, but those are the two that I really wanted to get into. 
Yeah, I think those are both really good uh, places where you can apply this. I think also in friendships. Um, yeah, yeah. Is is another place where it applies, um, where, it, and just sort of like, quote, being yourself um, is is another where you're not forcing friendships. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, and not forcing personality, like not making yourself up. I don't know. Mhm. Yeah, like not like pretending to be somebody else or 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 yeah. Yep, I think I know what you mean. Do you want to start by talking about friendships? Okay, so sure. Like I think there's something that um I think when I think about what I value in a friend and um, and for me, the friendships that last are the ones where I'm not trying to be someone I'm not usually out of an, out of like this trying to yeah. read the other person's mind, like trying to predict what they look for in a friend and then be that it's like, no, no, like, you're you're either going to be friends based on who you actually are or you're not going to be friends. Like you can't fake your way into being somebody's best buddy. Totally. And if you did, it's not really worth anything. Right. Right. Like if you somehow managed to fool someone into being your best friend, like at some point in time, like you just realize it's not worth it. I mean, I think we've all been there to some degree, whether it was like a certain group at school or at church or wherever and you're like oh man i'm in with the kids that i wanted to hang out with now and then you're like why am i here right like none of this is making me happy well Um, and i think part of why that happens is you're so busy uh trying to figure out your own character that you're playing that mm -hmm. you miss all of the cues about who they really are yeah yeah and i've i've definitely done that where uh, with individual friends too where especially for instance moving to portland there was this very real drive for me of like okay i need to build connections here i need to build a family here i need to build so much like support system and because of that i was like really really pushing friendships like i need to get them to be like very intimate friendships pretty quickly i need to know if i can trust this person and like not letting necessarily gradually grow like friendships do over five ten years because i thought and to some degree it was true. Like my life depends on this. Like Mm. if I don't have people here that I can trust, then I won't be safe. Right. And that means that I've gone through a lot of friends in some ways. Like as the friendships deepened, I would find these places where I was just like, we are fundamentally mismatched. Yeah. And I, I found it out pretty quickly because I pushed really hard, but at the same time, like only by kind of giving up and being like, I, maybe I can't do this was able to like, um, start finding some people that were a little bit more chill that I could actually get to know. And yeah. Yeah. And not like not running around all the time. Um, it definitely happened with dating relationships, mm. which I think is just a different kind of subset of friendship. But I spent since I got here um, going on a lot of dates from like, okay, Cupid and her, which is like a lesbian dating site. And just really pushing that as well. And like, I want to meet somebody cool. I've 
been out of relationships for a while. I'd really like to have a partnership at some point in time. And A, people here are a lot more flaky and um, a lot more casual, I guess, than I'm used to from Texas. And mm-hmm. so I was just confused all the time. And then I tried to like be more casual, which wasn't making me happy. And then I just kind of gave up altogether. And next thing I know, I've got a girlfriend. So <laughs> it, worked, it worked out okay. Yeah. <laughs> the old I'm going to be single forever is a magic way of like yeah, yeah. connecting with somebody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah. and that sort of relaxing into it and saying like, okay, this person seems cool, but I'm not going to stress about it. Um I think has made the relationship a lot better too. Yeah. It also helps in some ways that um they have a primary partner that's not me. And I think we're going to do an episode at some point in time where we talk about you know, how poly works. Yeah. But in this case, it's really great. In some ways, it's really hard in other ways. But the parts where it's great is I don't have to be everything to this person. It's inbuilt in this type of relationship that we have. Um, they're also really good about having supports and friends. And I'm good about having supports and friends. And so when bad things happen, we're not always on the hook for it. We're not always having to like be the emotional everything for somebody. We can kind of just relax and not be the perfect partner and just be a partner. Right. I think that's part of why, um, you know, growing up, I think most of our parents caution us against like getting really serious in young relationships. Um, because it really does take a good portion of time of living independently before you start to get into that groove of just, um, being comfortable around other people without any guards up. You know, when you're 18, like guard up is like how you live. And if you like settle down with somebody at that point, um, like you don't know the real them and they don't know the real you. And yeah, like it's a, then it's a crapshoot as to whether you can have a successful relationship. Right. And that kind of like the slowness. And uh, I mean, my first, like I was married before I was married for a while and that relationship, I definitely was like, I have to have another, I have to have a partner. Like mm-hmm. I have to have a wife. Um, cause I was like, I'm definitely a dyke. Luckily I figured that out, but, um, I definitely, I'd have a wife. Um, we're probably going to have kids. We should definitely like have this house together. If we, if we don't buy one, like we need to settle and we need to like grow a relationship and, a lot of that was the pressure around me of like all of the people I knew were getting married or had gotten married or having kids or were about to have kids. And it was just normalized for me. And so I was like in, I think the year before I got married, I was in something like six or seven weddings Uh. and it was just ridiculous. And so we pushed the relationship. We pushed really, really hard to try to make it work. And at a certain point in time, it just didn't. And luckily we gave in and now we have a really great friendship that I think in a lot of ways is better than our marriage was because we just weren't very good for each other. Yeah. Um, but that, that only came about because I was able to kind of be okay with that perfect thing that I thought I was building failing Hmm. and realizing that there's no such thing as perfection. There's no way to actually ever succeed at that. It's a moving target. Right. I know even in, so I've been married 21 years. Ugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even just maybe you've been married since that. you were like six, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. 
I was very young. Really? 27. Uh, <laughs> nope. I'm proud of my age. I'm 43. It's a good age. It is a good age. The, oh, what was I talking about? Um, Like even within this relationship, the mm-hmm. harder I try, the worse I make things. Like right. as soon as I get into the, oh, I got to like fix this. That's mm-hmm. when things start to break. And or optimize something or like yeah or like if only control. i could get him to do this one thing the whole marriage would be fine like which is clearly wrong right. thinking like from the outside but when you're in that moment you're like ooh i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to correct him on this one <laughs> and it's <laughs> like i think it might even be only in the last like 2 years uh-huh. Where I've been able to talk my just sort of go, you know what? Maybe just keep that under your hat for tonight. Yeah, like, maybe just let it slide. Yeah, if it's super important, I can tell this is me talking to me. Super important to you, I can tell it is. That means it'll be super important tomorrow as well. So <laughs> tomorrow you can bring it up with them. Guess what? Never happens. Right, you sleep bring on it. And it goes up away. tomorrow. It's gone. It's gone. So, yeah. 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 And I think that there's some cases where that's the way to go forward. And some cases where like we end up putting off really important things because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. It's just be tricky. And I think in this case, maybe that's the right way to go. I've definitely done that as an avoidance tactic. I've known people who, for instance, in America, people are doing their taxes right now. And I know people who have discovered all sorts of things they just really need to do instead of their taxes. Uh-huh. Like some Twitter feed was saying how. She was like, I'm scrubbing the grout in my like bathroom and my kitchen right now because I'm supposed to be doing my taxes. And for some reason, I just have to scrub my grout instead. What is with, maybe it's the economy. Maybe it's that people need their tax return. But like, I feel like this is a, like way off topic, but I feel like there's a lot more people doing their taxes early right now. Oh. Maybe we're just all better at life. I mean, for me, it was just, I realized that I could get really high and do my taxes late at night. When as soon as I got all my returns and they turn out really well. So, um. <laughs> so related to that, <laughs> I remember back in the olden days uh, when you had to do your taxes by hand, like before there was TurboTax um, and you would do two copies. You would do a copy in pencil and then you would do a copy in pen once you were convinced that the copy in pencil was correct. And I remember sitting down one night to do that and at the end of the night, um, my bottle of wine was empty. The bottle that I'd started by myself at the beginning yep. of the evening. And I was so <laughs> sick the next day. And I couldn't figure out why. Oh, right. Tax wine. It was, tax yeah. Tax wine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, described my ta- I described my tax strategy to the CTO, or CFO, rather, of the company that you work at, the company I used to work at. We were just chatting one day and I was telling him like, yeah, I just get really stoned and then like do my taxes. And he kind of just gave me this weird look. <laughs> and I was like, it's worked out so far. But um, it's all just putting yeah. numbers into a computer now. But yeah, it was just me kind of going like, I don't know if I'm going to figure this out, but TurboTax is pretty smart. It'll tell me if I'm horribly wrong. Right. And a lot of the numbers are automatically filled in. Yeah. Like as long I don't have a ton of complexity, I rent all that kind of stuff. So. But same deal, like the the friends I have who try to force it and like maximize their return or whatever are the ones who stress out, who never finish it, who have to get extensions. 
or who just like seem to tear out their hair. Right. Like just try to, yeah, that is so not off topic at all. You're totally right. I get all freaked out about it and procrastinate on it. Mm -hmm. If I'm like, ah, this is going to be complicated. But if you just go, you know, one of the good things about, um, time passing more quickly as you get older is that you can, there are some things you actually remember better. Like, like a year is a long time to go without doing an activity. So like doing your taxes annually, you sort of forget all the things you learned the last year, but I feel like with time passing more quickly as I get older, those years, it doesn't seem to be as long ago. And plus I've done my taxes now. I don't know. 25 times or something like that. Yeah. So maybe I'm retaining some of that knowledge as well, but like I don't actually dread it as much as I used to because I just remember a little bit more last year that it wasn't actually as horrible as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I remember, I remember when my dad, for instance, was doing taxes when you saw do paper forms and that's when it seemed like it was a nightmare. Yeah. But, but using a, a, a web platform, like, it's it's easier than everything I do at work every day. You know, it's so simple. I'm just like, click, click, click. That number looks okay. Click, click, click. Cool, it's over. Yeah. And for me too, it's kind of that, whatever it says at the end, whether I owe money or not, I hope I owe money because it means that I've actually spent my money and, and used it well instead of giving it away. Yeah, yeah. For like an interest-free loan or whatever it is. Um, but when I get to the end of it, I'm like, I'd rather know as soon as I can because if I do owe money and I don't have it, I should save it up. Right. Um, I'm still working on that part too. And mm-hmm. and in that kind of area, it's also tricky like financially around like forcing things because I'm often like, I'm going to save X number of dollars before this date and like my bank has a way I can do that. And And by forcing myself to try to get to that number – I end up just giving up. I end up being like, not not in a good way giving up, but giving up completely and just being like, I can't save. Just canceling and it. I've learned, yeah. Right. And I've learned now that if I just gradually like put $100 into this other bank account that I can't really get to, like every paycheck, I'm building up some money. Not a lot, but enough to take care of problems that have arisen in the recent like history. And it was a matter of just giving up on this grand plan of getting to this number by this amount and you know, I kind of was like, to hell with it. I'm going to make this money disappear out of my mind and uh, and not worry so much about the rate I'm doing it. Right. So making the bank um, responsible for you saving is kind of like having a parent there reminding you to do your homework and clean your room and like take care right. of your personal hygiene. It's like, that's not actually growing up. Growing up is yeah. like being self-disciplined enough on your own to do that without some higher authority. Yeah. And the, the tricky thing too, I think was that uh, in a way it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's learning how to like put my, the thing that's tempting me away, farther oh, yeah, away. Yeah. Cause the bank would just put it to this other account that I could easily get to. It was like, and I could transfer it back in and there was no friction there, which is cool in some cases, but in my case, it just meant that my impulse control was like poor and I just kept being like, well, I need this. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just learning that like, okay, I'm going to give up on trying to never eat sweets, but I know that if I have cookies near me or if I have them in my house, I'm going to eat them. 
So I just won't buy cookies, that kind of thing. Right. Of like not trying to be stronger, just trying to like never make the decision uh, required in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bad example for me because I don't really like sweets, but um, <laughs> whatever that is in my life, probably Sad. like uh, steak or something. <laughs> Pork belly. Pork belly. Yeah. I haven't bought that in a while. Hmm. Shame. Pity. <laughs> As for my doctor's instruction. I don't have it at my grocery store right now. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's um, not pork belly season, I guess. Eh? I guess. God, it's depressing. <laughs> I uh, I think the other thing that's hard is, is this around work, right? Yeah. Because like, when I first started off my tech career and maybe when you first started off, I don't know if everyone saw, but there was like a hashtag started by a friend of ours. Yeah. It was like first tech job, I think. And mine was working at a laptop help desk at the University of Texas. And um, at that point, I wasn't really doing it out of any desire to work in tech. I just needed money to survive. And I still am kind of in the same boat sometimes. Like, I'm like, well, I'm doing this because I need to survive. It's not necessarily a passion always. It Mm -hmm. is sometimes. But there were periods of time where I was like pushing myself because I'm surrounded by really smart people, especially like when I was working at Apple or when I was working at your company or mine now where I'm always comparing myself to the most brilliant people, right? Like people who are super competitive in the industry. And because of that, I was pushing myself to do more work and better work constantly at an unsustainable pace. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of gave up and said like, I'm only going to hold myself to my own standard and I'm going to lower my standard a little bit. um, I started doing better work and I started doing more consistent work. Um, Right. Like it was kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing. And and I totally agree. And, and it, it makes you happier. Oh yeah. When, when all you are doing are the things that uh, this is, this is terrible. Part of this is, is that you have to earn the right to do just the stuff you want to do. So there's um, this website called Bullish um, by Jen Zira. And she, I think the way she approaches it is like one of the keys to success. I think it's kind of a spin on lean in, but, but probably more useful is like use your twenties to work really hard. Mm -hmm. And, And that sort of lays the foundation for getting to do things you've become really good at and the things that you love when you're in your thirties and forties in your career. So mm-hmm. if you put in the work up front, you know, um, that will pay off in the long run. Um, you know, everybody's mileage may vary, but like, I think that's an interesting, like it's, it's no good to tell a 22 year old, like, just do the things at work that you love. Like that's right. And work will suddenly become fulfilling. Well, no, you got to like grow some expertise in yourself first. Right. And that means trying a lot of things that you're going to fail miserably at, but like, but you don't have to decide what you're good at in your twenties. Like that will come. Um, yeah. I still don't know if I know. I mean, I've been working in tech for 14 years and I don't, like I still don't know of almost anyone who gets to do what they love every day. Um, like it's the same kind of deal. It's kind of this giving up of like, well, I'm going to just work because I need to pay the bills and right. sometimes I'm going to enjoy it and sometimes I'm not, but you just kind of have to do it. 
because like we live in a terrible capitalist society where people who don't work quote unquote get like thrown uh to the garbage and it's right. like very frustrating because a lot of the work is meaningless or very um, there's no like objective value to what a lot of people end up doing yeah to to make this money that's given to them but it's there yeah i don't know it's a it's a weird situation and i think that the like work really hard in your 20s advice sometimes i agree with but yeah. i'm also like the, the friends i have in their 20s right now are the ones who are busting their ass to try to get minimum wage jobs because that's all that's available to them and they have graduate or postgraduate degrees and are still having trouble getting any kind of work and I worry sometimes that like people in their early 30s now like my generation is the last group of people who can like start into tech without knowing a whole lot and grow into it it's like now I don't know of almost any company that's hiring entry-level positions like a lot of the people that I know who start working in tech like they were doing internships all throughout college or they dropped out and just started like their own little company and sold it and made it. And it's like, it's a horrible crapshoot. And I tell people to try to get into the industry all the time. But at the same time, I'm like, I I don't know. My, my thing is just like, do whatever you can to pay your bills and try to enjoy it when you can. But recognize that like your joy may come from a very different place than your workplace. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I'm positive you read that thing over the last couple of days um, about the woman working at the young woman working at Yelp, who mm-hmm. wrote an open letter to her CEO about. Oh yeah, hi Kitty. <laughs> we have a special <laughs> guest on the podcast. It's Snorri. Hi Snorri. My cat just appeared. <laughs> Aww. Do you have something to say? <laughs> I don't think so. I think he just got lonely. It's adorable. <laughs> anyway, uh, Talia uh, wrote this open letter to her CEO about how she couldn't afford to live. It was right frightening, and yeah, it is super depressing if that is that is if that is what we're offering to twenty year olds and telling them work hard in your twenties. Right, that's a problem. Yeah, and it just kind of shows people that their hard work doesn't mean anything. And yeah, that, like, and it's it's a not to get too depressed about that, but like there's a certain amount of like give up on having a dream and just start accepting that you may just need to work at something and make money. And that's about it. Yeah. But it's hard if the thing you thought would make you money turns out not to be a route to any money. It's soul sucking and there's no money in it. And that's often the case. And like, yeah. And I have some friends who are a little bit older who were working pretty hard to build something and then bailed hard and are now trying to start over in a different industry. And that's also real wild to kind of see. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know what that even would feel like. Um, but, but I'm curious to see how their experiment in it turns out. So totally I'm letting them do that bit and I'm just going to hang out and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Observe, learn, Take notes. Yeah, and for me too, it's a part of like, I don't have the safety net in any way, shape, or form. Like, if I don't have a job and don't have money, I know how many paychecks I am from the street. And I don't have, outside of a few close friends, like, I don't have anyone who supports me. So, um, like, yeah. (laughs) So, and then some other friends either have a lot of savings or have families that would take them in if things went bad. So, um, but yeah, yeah, they, they kind of like 
giving in a little bit can be really cathartic though too because you can be like oh okay so I don't have to like be super career driven I don't have to like really be the best in this industry but you know what I can definitely like do this job that I'm decent at get it done and then like go do some other fun stuff in my day and that's pretty rad yeah totally I think that's super important like if you're not in love with your job and and it's not your dream is have other things and yeah, stop trying so hard at your job to turn it into something that you'll love. Like, yeah. Who wants to love a shitty job? Like just hate your shitty job and love the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the thing too, I think if you're like spending a little bit less time and energy on the job that you're not liking, instead of trying to be perfect at that, like, save that energy and go do something fun when you're not working, like Uh, make a podcast, write a book, like do some, I don't know, do whatever, like make a porn. It doesn't matter, but like do something interesting that, that like you might actually get something back from. Right. Other than money, which money is money. Yeah. 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 Totally true. I feel like money project that rules too. Well, right. That is good. Especially if you make a porn and make money off that, that'd be pretty amazing. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also feel bad for people who are like trying uh, overly hard at work. Like, say you do have a job that you really like, mm-hmm. but there seem to be um, sort of a certain segment of the population who like overwork at the job. Hi, Snorri. The same way we were talking about um, like working too hard at a friendship and trying to force your way into a friendship that isn't working. There's also people who, um, work too hard at a job and like focus on the wrong things. I see people who this happened once in an, at my old job, um, where there was somebody who would come with a status report, like a monthly status report. And it would be like 50 lines long. It was basically like a summary of each and every date. Like she was listing status meetings that she was going to on her report. It's like, Oh my God, girl. Like I couldn't figure out what was, was she trying to prove that she was doing work? Was she scared that people would think she wasn't working? Cause I've been there before. Petrified. And like constantly thinking you're going to get fired because you're not doing enough when you're probably doing more than most of the people you work with. Right. Or you're doing the same amount as them, but like you're focused on the wrong results. The result isn't having a long, the result you you want in your job isn't having a long status report. It's being able to see where your work fits in with everybody else's work. And I think you see a lot of people sort of lose that thread on where does my work fit in with everybody else's? And they try to overcompensate by just itemizing yeah. all the things they do. Um, and yeah, I mean, some people, you feel bad for their insecurity. Other people, you just go, dude, you're insecure. But yeah, it's um, if, you're, if you're listening out there yeah. and are like, <laughs> oh my God, my status, like I just fill my status report with like all the things I've done because I'm so scared. Like, yeah. You need to sit down and think about, um, like, don't live in fear because that's stupid. The, the being right. afraid isn't what's going to keep you from getting laid off or fired or whatever. 
In fact, it will probably lead to you getting laid off and fired and you don't even understand right. why. Like, get a big I think that's the thing where you, you talk to your manager and you find out, like, what are they actually expecting? Yeah. Because it's likely very different than what you think they're expecting. It's probably a lot easier in, in right. some ways. It's a lot less, right. like, busy work and a lot more seeing the big picture and working toward the common goal. Yeah. 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 It can be, it can be a very freeing thing to kind of go like, Oh, that's all I need to be doing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The job where I ended up, I think I've talked about this before, but like there was a job that I thought I was going to get fired every single day I went to work. And I, cause I was seeing my own failure all the time. I was seeing things that weren't living up to my exacting standard. And then I got like an employee of the year award at the end. (laughs) And I realized that, A, I shouldn't have been busting my ass as much because I didn't get a raise. I got like a little trophy. And B, like, okay, so if I really like hate myself, I can be the top employee, but like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. (laughs) I leave that trophy in the trash can. Exactly. I remember the one year I got a one ranking at IBM, which is like their top employee. Yeah. When they rank everybody you get a number one, two, three, whatever. In one year, um, I got a one, which means you're in line for the biggest bonus. But like, it was like, it didn't matter. It was over. You got your fractionally larger bonus that year. And then Mm -hmm. the expectations were just moved higher. So. Yep. (laughs) Like, if you, if you like your job being, like the middle tier of employee, the perfectly acceptable doing your job. If you like that and you try to become the top tier employee and you hate that, well, great. You've just set yourself up for like always hating your job, except that now you'll hate your job and only be achieving medium tier. Yeah. And I think it's like uh, so much of this is around like expectation setting and having like quality people managing you and it's really really hard to find sometimes because like there just aren't that many good managers out there who can understand how to like give you actionable feedback consistently and like listen to like your fears and recognize what they are caused by right like um yeah Yeah. (laughs) you kind of have to get used to that part too um but it's worth it's worth learning to like yeah lower your own expectations and then let let some of that just kind of go. Yeah. Go like, oh, okay. I can like achieve without like overachieving. Right. And I can make myself happy without, and making that my first priority over, um, making some unknown, everybody else out there happy. Right. Yeah. Like that's the thing too. Like who are we proving ourselves to? Because the women I know in tech who are the most accomplished, who are the most intelligent and who are doing the coolest stuff are often the ones with the least self-esteem about their work who are often like, Oh, I'm not very good at all. There's a few like badasses who actually know they're really great and that's cool. But there's a lot of women I know who are like, Oh, I don't know if I really know what I'm doing. And I'm like, but you did this, you did all of these things. Like, look at the things that you did. Right. Um, But I bet even the badasses are like, they'll be like, yeah, I'm all that. But they also have that edge of like, but, everybody can do this like right um, well and there's a certain amount of that like when you're when you're like um have that badass persona right a lot of times that can cover up like a lot of fear that you actually have 
Yeah. You were going to say something else though. And I cut you off. Well, I was going to say there's the badass persona that's like overcompensating that's bluffing for weakness. And then there's the badass persona that's, um, it's belief in yourself. Like it's Mm -hmm. the valid badassness where it's belief in yourself, but you're not like, uh, worried that somebody is going to discover that you've made mistakes along the way because you know, you made mistakes along the way. And that's part of what makes you a badass. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that like you'll recover from them. Yeah. And you learn from that too. I think that like the more times I have fucked up, whether it's in a relationship or in a friendship or well, I guess relationship is a friendship, but like, yeah. Um, or a job, the more I've learned how to do better the next time. Yeah. But if I'm like always working really hard and then like kind of never really failing, I- I'm also never prepared for when I actually do fail. Like now at this point, I know what a breakup feels like. I know what it is to like leave a job. I know what it is to like have a project not go very well. So I know how I feel when those things happen. I know how to deal with them. and I know how to mitigate them. But yeah, it took letting some of those things occur. Yeah. Or admitting to myself that they did occur. Right. That can be another kind of like perfection is like self-delusion that, that you've never actually fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Which is why... Um the middle-aged people around you always seem like they have their shit together in a way that a 20 year old cannot. Right. You have to live through these things and to be able to recognize the patterns around them. And yeah. And there's no, I think that's the thing too. There's no like, there's no way to like us talking is never going to like teach somebody this stuff necessarily. Yeah. Like they're going to have to, you have to live out. through it. Yeah. Yeah. And which kind of makes what we're doing a little bit futile, but you know what? Other people who've also gone through it will be understand and be like, right. yeah, yeah. This is for the 35, 30 to 35 <laughs> plus out there. Like, or the younger people who've had a really rough life. And well, already true. Yes. Damn. Yeah. Cause that that's real. <laughs> yep. Um, anything you want to say in closing? I doubt this will be out before I go, but I'll be in San Francisco for Lesbian 2 Tech from Wednesday through Monday and getting another arm tattoo. So that'll be my whole left arm will be covered in uh, herbs like sage, uh, lavender and witch hazel. Um, Maybe we'll we'll link to the pictures from the show notes. Yeah, totally. I'll take pictures. And when I get back, I'm going to be back for just a little bit and I'm going to New York for work. So very exciting. Um, that, that's fun. It's highly likely the next time we record, it will be in another city. Wow. Um, <laughs> I have no travel plans at all in the next uh, few weeks. I am yep. going to be a homebody for a little while. Good. Um, but yes, it probably will be a week or so until this comes out. Uh, when it does, obviously, because you're all listening to it. Uh, show notes, links to things we talked about and everything will be available at goodstuff.fm slash grownup slash 25. Hey, happy silver podcast episode, Brooke. Yay. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at grownups underscore FM. You can subscribe on iTunes where you can also rate and review the show if you like. Um, you can find me on Twitter as well at K-A-Y-A-Y-A-R-A-I. And Brooke, what's your Twitter handle? You can find me at B-R-O-O-K-S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. That is awesome. All right. On Twitter. <laughs> yes, yep. exactly. Yeah. Good show. That's it. All Good right. Good show. <laughs>